With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Tuesday. Hey, by the way, did you do your Super Monday thing that was advertised on the Super Bowl? My son asked me about it all Super day Mon- today. Oh, by not going the to work The Super Monday school? thing that supposedly you don't go to work or school oh, because it's yeah. the day after the Super Bowl. He heard that commercial, and he decided it should be a real thing. <laughs> Ten-year-olds are impressionable. Yes. This he decided takeaway. it should be a real thing, and he has asked me multiple times all day today why he had to go to school. And I was like, because it's Monday. <laughs> and he's like, it's snowing outside. I was like, we live in Utah. And it's Monday. You know, go to school. Yeah, he's like, but but shouldn't it be a snow day? I was like, if it, if we had snow days, we would never go to school. Oh man, it is snowing. I loved snow days when I was growing up in Colorado. I loved them. I lived for snow days. They rarely ever happen here best. because we're prepared for snow. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody anyway. drives around in winter tires, and you're prepared. And we've got plows. We got plows that come out when there's three inches that hit the ground. The speaking, plows come out. Speaking of winter tires, it's almost ridiculous. Season six is delivered. Yes, fantastic. If you're watching season six fantastic. on Motor Trend or you're waiting for it on Amazon. We know you're waiting for it on Amazon. Just so you know, multiple episodes have been pushed to Amazon. They just haven't all gotten through their check process. So we are awaiting that. The rest of them will go out quickly, and then they will follow to Vimeo as well. We currently have a couple episodes available both places, and we will have all of Season 6 up soon. But all of Season 6 has been delivered to Motor Trend. Thank you to all of you that responded to uh, this last Saturday's episode, which was our big sedans episode. The TV debut (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of our two crazy old sedans with a new BMW 7 Series and an, an A8 as well. That was a fun episode. Many of you had many things to say. Thank you for that. So this week is actually uh, Lemons, and we are awaiting the one I just delivered that finishes the season, which was very cool, which is the winter one with the Miata. I'm really thrilled, man. Congrats on delivering the season cool. and getting everything mixed and colored. Yeah. and. On to season seven. Can I now say that we're, we can move on officially, even though they haven't debuted on Motor well, Trend you, yet? No, but, here's the, but for us, you can and I, say I that our our planning and our headspace. You we and I are planning and scheduling for season seven, which will be July. But wow. I am still excited about so many of you that have not seen these season yeah. six episodes. Yeah. And thank you for the response. Thank you for you're already rating on Amazon. Thank you, IMDb. All of these places matter. Also, rating this podcast matters. I don't care how many ratings we get. This is the stuff we're learning. When you guys rate and review, it helps this podcast grow and people find it. And we have even seen a change in the analytics when you guys do so. Mm-hmm. That's how much it matters. It's funny. It's a little bit like car designers and engineering teams of car companies because two years ago, they worked on the thing that everybody is mm-hmm. just now seeing that's in the news. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I did work on that like two or three years ago. And that, yeah, right. The sketches are dated from 2014. Right, yeah, that's old news because you guys should see the stuff we're working on now. That's kind of where we're at, but I am, I'm also very excited. We've got some great episodes and some different stuff, which is cool. Yeah, the yeah. Lemons episode, it's the third episode in our trilogy mm-hmm. of Lemons Racing, and I'm really proud of this one because we were getting after it. Stuff happened. It turned out There's well. There's some drama in it's this pretty one. Cool. It's pretty cool. And yeah. I'm really excited and proud of these episodes as well. Yeah, thank so, you guys for being bravo with us on that all out, that. Man. Thank you, man. Well it, done. And well it, done. I'm really glad that we got them accomplished. It's very cool. And the filmmaker in me loves this time, loves this. I'm done. Now I'm waiting. 
I'm waiting for you yeah, guys to just, right, just inter- right. engage with it and, and tell sure. us your thoughts. I mean, ultimately, that is who we're making all of this for is you guys. So it's just exciting to yeah. hear the feedback come yeah. back. So I'm glad that, the, that they're coming out and more of them are coming out. Much more coming still in Season 6 for you guys. And uh, we're doing Season 7. Lots of YouTube content on the way. There's so much YouTube backlog that we are working our way through. Which I can't so believe, yes. the amount of sure. content in 2020, I, we've said it. And I'm now really believing it. We're going to do more in 2020 than we did in 2019. And 2019 was legitimately our biggest year ever. So it's really cool. No, this is exciting. All right. We are continuing the best of series and wrapping it up for this episode for 2020. And we are talking today, Subaru, Tesla, Toyota, Volkswagen, and Volvo. And then we also have got a great debate Mm -hmm. from Lance R. We don't know where he lives, but Lance has a Ferrari long-term plan. And it's different than you think it is. But I do have some suggestions because this too. actually I ties into all of us enthusiasts who think, okay, now, how can I reach this milestone of money? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, okay, so this is all, all to be applied to ownership yeah, yeah. of a Ferrari. And so now how can I turn that into this amount of money and then slowly build your pile of cash while you lie in wait with your pile of cash? So that's what Lance is doing. We'll talk that. Plan. And then Makes me congratulations laugh. on all the Excellent questions. Yeah. I think what I love the most is the sensitivity is the wrong word, but I, I guess just the perception and attention to detail in everybody's mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. media questions. Yeah. So thank you for that. They're excellent. Thought provoking. I yeah. mean, they make Todd and I step back and think, how do I, what do I think about yeah. that? And what is my opinion on that? And it, it makes us dig into research more. And I love coming prepared for you guys. So I can't remember the awesome. last time I read a social media question and the answer was yes, no. <laughs> That's right. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's what we should say. No, no close-ended questions. <laughs> they've all got to be open-ended they're, they're very, questions. Very thoughtful, which is really cool. I look forward to getting to all of those. But we have been doing this best of series since very early here in the calendar year of 2020. And to, to review for you the rules, you've probably listened to some of the others. The and thank rules. you. We're talking about the last decade. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the 2010s. We're talking about the best cars from each of these brands. Now, I should clarify, that doesn't mean... Only enthusiast cars. Last time we did this, when we first started the podcast, it was enthusiast-focused. Now this is cars we think are worthwhile across market segments made by certain marks. Mm -hmm. But it also means that some of the cars that we overlook because there is a better icon in the market segment still get discussed here. If you make a good quality SUV that we don't normally talk about for reason blank, that still gets talked about here. We're talking about cars we think are worthwhile for each brand, and we only have a few left. It's been it's been a long run here, but I've enjoyed this very much. Let's start with Subaru. You know, what's interesting is the amount of press cars that we've gotten, and as you said, we've got a mountain of content still to be released on YouTube, but there's some cars that, you know, might not fall into the enthusiast category, but they very much come up on the podcast, and that's why we talk about them on the podcast because we've driven. We can compare them in our, you know, in our minds to other cars we've driven in the same category, and they, then we think when we see your debates, we've driven that particular model. Yeah. So, yeah, for yeah. example, we've got the brand new 2020 Lexus RX 350. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Lexus has extended this SUV? into a seven-seater. Never before extended the egg mm-hmm. into a seven-seater. This is brand new because yep. they wanted in on that. I parked it next to a Highlander and I thought, it, Lexus built the Highlander because it's the same length and height and it's just a little bit of different styling. But yeah. now this is their answer to having multiple. So it's the L version of this 350. You want so the we Lexus have that RX. You want the egg, but you really like to have seven seats. Here's, here's the flaw in this. 
Now, let me back up real quick. We aren't t- talking about Lexus, but let's talk about this car because we have it. The RX350 is in many ways the beginning of the current uh, CUV craze. It was the CUV before everybody had a CUV. I guess so. It's not really an off-roader. It's kind of nice to be in. It gives you ride height. It's just going to run. It's got five seats and a little bit of utility, but it's not an off-road vehicle. The RX was a real harbinger of that doom, if you will, okay? But (laughs) they still... They still are one of the better ones. How can we work that into the marketing brief? (laughs) Thinking. I'm thinking. Lexus. Harbinger of doom. No, seriously, (laughs) that's not what I mean. That's not what I'm saying. But the RX was the beginning of this craze, okay? But here is now the seven-seater version because clearly Mm. somebody thought we're missing out on some people that want this, but it's not big enough. But I submit to you, still not big enough. What's funny is, yeah, I agree. I tried this. My son is 10. Okay, he actually recently went to the doctor. You know the, the annual checkup thing you do that somehow as an adult you stop doing. But it, do that. But <laughs> at what age do we get he, to stop doing that? I, I think when your parents quit taking you, I guess you go, so. When do I need to go to the doctor I'm again? Free. Well, whatever, I feel fine, Sweet. and then bad things happen. But right. he's four foot nine. Okay, so he's tall for mm-hmm. a ten year old, but mm-hmm. he's not. He's not an adult. Okay, for sure. He is sure. just at the bottom of like the range of what they make cars for. Four foot ten is the bottom typically for okay. like adult sizing. All, all right? right, all right, right. I put I put him in the back seat. Now keep in mind the this is a third this is a third row the on the RX. Put yes. him in the back seat. In order for him to fit, the second row had to be pushed into my seat. Mm. Meaning there was no way for someone to sit in the second row because they wouldn't have anywhere for their legs. For him to have legs in the third row, the second row seat had to be pushed against the back of my seat. I submit to you that means this is either a seven seater for a family where everyone's under five five. Or it's not actually a seven-seater. So it's a marketing brief. all the seats brief. have to be kind of in their middle-centered yes, position absolutely. to make everybody fit. Absolutely. On the bright side, the screen is now a touchscreen. So just in case you don't want to use the pad anymore, you get to reach forward Fair. against the seatbelt strain sure. and actually reach out and touch the screen. So just in case you were wondering. But otherwise, it's a Lexus. What? It's everything a Lexus RX is. buy them. It, it runs. It's going to run forever. My the service is going to be great. Them. Service is going to be great. It, it, it's just going to be a nice place to be. Yeah, you for just, sure. It's just not a seven-seater. It really isn't. Interesting. If you've got more cars than garage space, and we suspect you do, then you need to protect them with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA Custom Car Cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but they also breathe to eliminate condensation. They've got a four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and they protect your car from UV rays, too. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer. They're made in the USA, and they come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put. I had one on the Lancer, and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. Paul wore one out over nine years of daily use with his Audi Avant, and people always asked how he kept it so nice. Plus, with Covercraft, you can defend your interior against kids, dogs, spills, and any weekend adventure in mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. Have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. You can get 10% off your custom car cover and any other Covercraft product by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. Now we're into the best of series with Subaru. There is one SUV that stuck out at me that I had recommended for my sister, my family. Okay. That was the Forester that we drove last year. So it's the yeah, current generation Forester mm-hmm. as of this recording. And I just thought this was great for them. They're up in Seattle and they have teenagers in, uh, well, 
my niece is no longer a teenager. Anyway, time flies. But yep. they're uh, in college, and my nephew has figured out how to graduate college on the same day as my older niece. And this <laughs> She's frosts her to no end. She's loving that, yeah. And so he's he's working ahead, and he's taking more college credits. So they will actually – he's younger – and he will graduate the same day. <laughs> she's loving that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but she's a double major that. on yeah, the other hand. So, good you know, yeah, all right. she's sort of like whatever. And so I just thought for cellos and for they used to have a big um, mm-hmm. Bernese Mountain Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just bombing around in Seattle wet weather and not having to worry. And they're very much a family of we don't really worry about our cars. We mm-hmm. don't really wash them. We don't re- Oil? What's what's oil? It needs oil? <laughs> it's the run in spite of them clan. It's, I got it. It's yeah. the once yeah, a year yeah. like, huh, we might think about maintaining our cars so they'll run for another year. <laughs> okay. I am totally, you know, I, yeah. I get to tease my family. Yeah. And they take it good naturedly for the most part. <clears throat> but I just As far as we f- know. Yeah. <laughs> as far as we know. It manifests itself in presents at Christmas and birthdays. And I, I know if I'm still on the right foot. <laughs> And so I just thought this Forester is perfect for them. I do like the styling. Both you and I wanted more power out of that car, Mm -hmm. and we wanted all the CVTs to go away. But as a car that I'm not shopping for, but I can recommend to families, and it just it makes the budget work, it makes the life work, it makes it's just the go to car. Mm -hmm. I can see why they sell. See, I put in that same category the Crosstrek. It has a lot of the same traits. It, It is it is what I wish CUVs really were. Where Except for really, the power of the transmission? Where they're really just hatchbacks. We got a little bit of an all-purpose yeah. hatch. I wish CUVs were more that. Mm-hmm. This is a place where Subaru has gone, oh, you want a CUV? Kind of. It really <laughs> is. It's almost the WRX hatch we want, but on the little bit. It's been properly subaru if you will. It's got a little bit of a lift. What happens when you Subaru a thing? Well, but see, when, when they first were a thing in the 80s, Everything they made was a little bit gangly and a little bit too lifted off its suspension. Jump but they seats could with go, jet fighter handles? But they could go everywhere. And no seatbelts? And, and the Crosstrek kind of taps back into that. Now, Subaru, like Mazda, pardon me, like, well, not Mazda, but uh, Nissan, has embraced the CVT. Mm, yeah. And so yeah. we don't love that. However, of the CVTs, they typically are some of the best because they have actually listened to the customers and given us – Gear changes. Now, this is a fallacy because the CVT doesn't have gear set gear ratios, but CVTs pretend. can be taught that there are some. So it kind yes. of feels like yes. gearing. So that's done pretty well in Subaru. And the Crosstrek is a standout that sells. It and the Forester kind of trade punches as far as what sells better this month. Yeah, for and sure. And they're both very, very good. They're not enthusiast cars, either one, but they no. are good family, go everywhere cars. And Subaru in the last decade has had banner year after banner year. They are selling very, very well. Mm-hmm. And they have a correlation that's not perfect, but I feel like Subaru right now is the down market version of Lexus. Meaning, in what sense? If you like their stuff, you're probably not going to go anywhere else. You like the ethos, you like the feel, and they are cars that run, that give you a lot for your money. They run very well. They have. They all have a familial feel about them, mm-hmm. but they're not that interesting to drive. I feel like Subarus used to be kind of across the board, kind of quirky and interesting to drive, and now they've been homogenized. They're doing very well, but they've been homogenized in general that they all feel fine, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. work, and they're reliable. And while the Lexus is all 10 to 15 grand more expensive, this is the down market Lexus approach. 
I still feel like there is some traits of personality within Subaru, which is what attracts people to them. There's some something that just you relate to it or you just you like how it drives or you just like that ethos in your life. Like you said, it's it depends on the model, Mm -hmm. but I still feel like that that is there, whereas a lot of models from Volkswagen leave me cold. They're just they're just very clinical in a, in a sense, mm-hmm. and we'll get there. But you know what I mean? That you you get in the car and you think, well, all the buttons are here and all the things are here and the materials are nice enough, and it just doesn't interact with me in a personal way. It doesn't have a personal touch that see it. that stirs me. The all Subaru weather still has that. The all weather quirky that used to be over at Saab when Saab vanished. I think that banner oh, went over to Subaru. I think they've inherited that quirk. I can see that. My brother-in-law, by the way, has gone off the deep end with Saab and uh, the forums, and he sends me Saab-related stuff all the time now. He's asking me, you know, which wheels should I get, the Rally or the Saab Arrow wheels? And you keep saying 230,000-mile <laughs> Saab that's not in great shape that you bought for how much? $1,500, yeah. and it's running. Of course And it is. he's added Euro fog lights on them. Because that made the difference. Upgrades. Of course he is. And... Saab enthusiasts are hardcore, hardy bunch. But I, but I think that outdoorsy, quirky feel is now that mantle is being carried by Subaru. I can see that. I, I really think your Saab, yeah. your Saab owners are now at Subaru. And they make very good stuff. Now, they also do make some enthusiast standouts. The BRZ is obvious. That That's is one definitely of the, on the list. One of the, the 86 sure. twins. For sure. Triplets, however you want to refer to them. I also have to say the WRX doesn't get mentioned as much as it should on this podcast because early in the days of the podcast, it got mentioned every single podcast mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the questions were often, hi, guys, I need a $25,000 four-door, preferably all-wheel drive that's fun to drive, and we just went, go get the WRX. Oh, and could it have a manual? Yeah. And a Which, turbo? Go get the WRX right. that, and be done. Be happy. Right, right, right. And then, of course, you can do the STI, which now has an ancient engine, actually older, I think, than the 370Z. That's even more fun if you need more hair on fire. But in many ways, I think the current WRX is the better buy than the current STI. I would agree with that. And as a matter of fact, that there's still that personality thing going on with WRXs. Mm, yeah. Because the higher you get, you punch that turbo and it just springs to life. And it gives you a, a little bit of a different car than you thought it was. It's mm-hmm. just sort of suddenly this thing's jumping in my hands and I, I like it. Now, you can't. Spank it everywhere you drive. You can't just drive at six thousand yeah. and you know, yeah. full boost everywhere you go. But there is that <laughs> personal trait. You can try. We do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I still think there is that personality trait that people love, and that's why they keep coming back to that WRX. It is so good. The the early now prior than the ten years we're going back. I'm talking the the aughts now. Okay, mm. up to about two thousand nine, the Forester and the Legacy both were the grown-up versions of what the WRX and STI gave you. They, they were similar parts. They were Legos. Sure, sure. If you grew up a little bit and you wanted an, a little bit nicer version than those cars, you got those cars. That, that personality has been rounded off a bit in the current versions. They've become a lot more kind of the right car for more people. They've lost some of the quirk. They've lost some of the personality. I mean, the, the late 2000s, like the 05 to 09 Legacies, were surprisingly good cars. We drove that old Spec B, and we really liked it. The current Legacy now is fine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it used to be like, oh, it's like a WRX hiding under here, which is very cool. Now the WRX is kind of its own thing for in the sure, brand, for sure. and the rest of the brand is solid, but 
the WRX STI and the BRZ, those are your enthusiast standouts here for sure. Absolutely. All right, we're going to jump to Tesla. And if you think about it, as of this mm. recording, Tesla as a company is really only about a decade old. Mm-hmm. I mean, give or take a few months here and there, but think of them as really just a 10-year-old car company. And again, as of this recording, the Tesla stock price has jumped dramatically. Absolutely staggering, to be honest. May I, may I share a weird to the moon. tangent thought here real quick? We've had questions along these lines before, and, okay. I, and I want to state this. You and I don't own stock in Tesla. Mm-mm. We don't short Tesla. Mm-mm. And we also don't own stock in any car companies. Mm-mm. We considered a weird conflict of interest to go own stock in a car company and then talk about how the car company should do. We don't do that. Right, right. We are not invested in these companies' successes or failures from a financial standpoint. Okay. Although I do wish I'd bought Tesla stock when it was 17 and 2011, I think. I Whatever. Still, but the but point is, yeah. they're, they're, we are never talking about these things because we have a financial stake in how these companies do. That seems to be a question that comes up whenever we say anything positive or negative about mm-hmm. Tesla, which makes me terrified to say anything other than, aren't we supposed to at this point be beat into submission and just say, all the Tesla products are awesome? I will say that the Model X did not do anything to move the bar. I agree with that. Tesla as a company has, and I admire them tremendously. I know a lot of people that work at Tesla. It's hard to work at Tesla. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's amazing. What they're doing, it really is fascinating. It's just the Model X came out. Now that we've lived with it for a number of years – when it first came out, I thought, oh, you know, really cool. Oh, this is doing all these cool things. Now it's just fussy and expensive. I it's just fussy that way and expensive. Uh, here- it didn't do anything to push. And I'm not insulting you. If you have a Model X, it runs great. And I see people, I see mm-hmm. Model Xs everywhere and they drive great and it works fine. Yeah. But as far as the car from the car company that's supposed to move SUVs, the thing that everybody wants, mm-hmm. and move mm-hmm. this into the next dimension – it didn't really because now Elon's saying, well, if I had redone it, I probably wouldn't do the doors and I probably would have done some diff- things differently. It's it's one of the first kind of warning flags of Elon Musk's ego is those Falcon doors. And, and, and I'll put this in contrast. The Model S, and I'm not overstating, the Model S is a throwdown masterpiece. That car should not have been as good looking and as successful and as good to drive and just work as well as it does for their first full car. Absolutely true. And it has aged very well, and it is a very impressive car in kind of any form. Mm -hmm. So then the X comes out and is okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually think if you're shopping for an SUV now, I know if you're shopping for an electric SUV three years ago, your choice was Model X. I get that. Sure. But if you're shopping for an SUV for SUV reasons, I need lots of space. I need seven seats. I'm hauling the boat. I'm taking the family. It's not a great SUV. Absolutely. Right. Right. It's an electric SUV from Tesla. And if you want to buy a Tesla SUV, that's your choice. I don't think it's great, though. Then having said that, the Model 3 is excellent. And it is, Agreed. in many ways, a standard for midsize electric. If you're making a midsize electric car, how does it measure up to the Model 3? Mm-hmm. It this is, is why benchmark. we put the bolt against it. It's why everybody puts everything against it. The Model 3 is the benchmark across the board for you're making a, you can't see my air quotes, affordable electric car. How does it do compared to the Model 3, which takes everything that works on the S, downsizes it a bit, makes it slightly more affordable, and refines it 
the car just works. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. find it all that compelling because I think what, what happens a lot of times is people get overwhelmed by the newness, differentness, and space age. Wow, this is like my rolling phone. Stripping all that away, I think it's fine to drive. I don't think it's sure. amazing to drive. Sure, I'll agree like, with who that. Who cares? It's a success. It is a success across the board. The one we drove, the other ones we've seen, they're past their early build issues. The Model 3 is well For done. For the most part. They will still have For them. the most no, part. No, I'm not saying I'm, no. I'm not getting them a full haul pass. No, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying I think I think comparatively to when they started, they yeah. find it a lot. <laughs> comparatively. Service is still a nightmare on Teslas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In general, service is a nightmare. Weights. Difficulty of parts. Yeah, it's just your time. Yes. So it'll take a long time. But the Model 3, I think, is very well done. Uh, The Cybertruck, yeah. We'll we'll, uh, remain to be seen. It's not for sale yet, so we don't get to talk about it, The Model Y is coming. I think that's going to be the Model X smaller. Um, Isn't that interesting, though? We like the sedans a lot, and they're really well executed. And as you said, they the, the Model S is better than it deserved to be. I agree. It still is, and it's only improved. Yes. But think about this. Tesla is one of, in my opinion, only two car companies that have influenced and been influenced by YouTube and social media. The other one is Dodge because the Hellcat. (laughs) But think about everything is drag raced against a Tesla. There was that guy who stripped out the interior of his 100D and went hunting Mm -hmm. as a street racer and blew everybody's doors off, literally. And then Hellcats are raced against everything. But... It's this good is point. A, you know autopilot and sleeping while you're driving and nothing generates as much controversy and has had as much success frankly as Tesla for love them for hate them for the direction they're going it's really fascinating to watch Elon Musk continues to be a combination of Howard Hughes and PT Barnum they don't actually notice you did not see a Super Bowl ad for Tesla but their presence was there in anybody else's ad related to electric cars absolutely they are phenomenal at getting press for not actually doing any traditional press. And I'm going to say this, and I know this is hard to comprehend, but I'm going to say it. You can like Tesla cars without liking Elon Musk or his company. I agree. You, you can separate the two. You absolutely can. All right, let's move to Toyota and jump in. Of course, the GR Supra, the brand new Supra is at the top of my list. Okay. I really, really like the Supra. I know you do. I know you do. The 86 is also up there. The 86 yeah, just needs sure. power. Yeah. Well, it yeah. needs power yeah. from the company. It doesn't need the supercharger and all the things you can go buy for it. It needs to come from the factory with power. Factory version, kind of like Mazda just did with the, with the Miata. You yes. want them to do the same thing here. Okay, all yes, right. please. Yeah, yeah. So if there's a, a second generation, really, a full second generation we'll with different styling, I embrace that wholeheartedly. Yes to all of the above. You know what's on my list, though, is the Corolla XSE hatchback. I knew you'd have it on. I knew you would, actually. <laughs> it's I, it's much more fun than you would expect. It really, it really is cool. And that is not a slight against the car either. More fun than you expect for lower price. Fully, fully, fully loaded at $24,000. It's a great little affordable six-speed hatchback that is fun. Is it powerful? Not really, but it is a really genuinely fun hatchback for what hatchback should be. Carries lots of stuff, has a decent amount of tech. I can't believe this has this much space. Hey, it's got a good six-speed. Oh, this is fun to chuck Mm -hmm. around. It's all those things. You know, I'm going to give the Land Cruiser some love here because of the cult following, but because... It feels like a burly truck from Toyota. It yeah, really yeah, does. Yeah, it sure. drives like it. Yeah, it acts like it. Yeah, but they're really good for a reason. So I'm I'm going to show Land Cruiser. They've 
shot way up in price. The yeah. new Land Cruisers are what Lexi used to cost. You're right. Their, their trucks in general are are really good at being all the Toyota things. They are are tough. They're very reliable. They're good. Most of them at this point, we were just in the latest Tundra. They're starting to feel pretty old. They need a re- recycle. They need a refresh. refresh. They them. need some amenities and they need an engine update. But otherwise, they feel you want a truck feel. It's just going to keep running. Toyota builds some great Sequoia stuff. Sequoia does the same thing. I have to mention a couple, too, that seem a little off-brand for us, but I have to mention them. First off, the Sienna minivan is a standout because wow. you can get it with these huge, really ridiculous back seats. Look at our Spectrum Sacrifice piece. You can see how crazy the, the like executive class back seats are. And it is the minivan that comes from the factory with an all-wheel drive option. Okay. Generally, okay. people jump from minivans to CUVs because they need all-wheel drive. Sure. The sure. Sienna is here, full executive class, leathered everything, and all-wheel drive. I've leathered everything. So that makes it that makes it a unique uh, prospect in that regard. Also, I have to mention the Camry. I don't think of the Camry as a mm. fun-to-drive car, but the Camry is probably the poster child standard bearer for the person that shops and goes, I can't believe I got all this for the money. Did you know it has this? Did you know it has? It also has this. It also has that. Mm. And it just runs. Okay. I've known tons of people that have had. You've seen the commercial of the family that bought 15 Camrys in a row for their entire marriage. I've known people like this. Okay. (laughs) And the discussion is always look at how much I I got for my money for a car that also has never given me a single problem. The Camry is the standard bearer there. So I can't skip it as much as I don't find it compelling to drive. It does that very, very well. All right. I'll give you those. I'm going to put the, the current generation, the fifth generation RAV4 on the list for okay. graduating right. from a cutesy little not sure what it wants to be CUV to a full-fledged, wow, this is quite good. And it's a viable option for a one-car family solution or kind of an off-road, it's gotten you a know, bit rugged bit of light too. off-roading yeah. or yeah, yeah. Good commuting, it's actually graduated to being a really good viable option. When people have come to me and said, All right, I'm thinking about the new Honda CRV versus the RAV4. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? I say, You got to take a hard look at that new RAV4. It's you good. Really, really do. It's good. We There's enjoy nine the one we different drove. flavors it's of absurd. the trim levels, yeah. all the way up to the hybrid, which is almost $44,000. But Paul is still here. This is still me. <laughs> I am putting Prius on my list for two reasons. Okay. Not okay. because I like it, but because... <laughs> <laughs> it's on the list, but not because I like it. Please please go on. Yes. It's, it's props to Toyota for making a car that other companies chase. Yes. In terms of yes. two things, its abilities and its sales popularity. Mm-hmm. Huge props to Toyota for doing that. Totally. I don't have to like it. I still don't. I may never. But it's, but it's great at what it's but for. I am giving it... Props, yes, big time. We have driven it. We don't like to drive it. I've driven it in multiple situations. I've hooned it on a back road. We've got tire squeal out of yes, all of the above. Everything from what it is good at to what it's not good at. And the thing is, if you're sitting in traffic, if you need gas mileage, you you have to at least look at it. it it's on your list. I know it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say real quickly. I think it's interesting that Toyota ten years ago was not really considered an enthusiast brand anymore. Think about that. It was just kind of they had enthusiast history, but they weren't enthusiast Five, current. Six years ago, they weren't. They weren't enthusiast current, and now think about it: we've got the eighty-six mm-hmm. partnered with the Subaru. We've got the Supra. 
which is the best BMW being sold right now. That's right, I said it. Yes. And we have the upcoming GR Yaris, and even that Corolla you mentioned. There's also the MR2 possibilities on the horizon. And this That's partnership with Gazoo Racing, which is kind of, if you will, their M division, they're putting Pretty out much. some impressive cars, and supposedly there's going to be a GR version of the 86 for the next gen. Let's hope that's true. That's rumor mill right Bring now. Let's that. hope that's true. Bring that. But it is amazing to see in this last 10 years how that, that seismic shift is happening in Toyota. That gives me hope for Nissan, honestly. Because 10 years <laughs> okay. ago, 10 years ago, you would not have had a conversation with somebody and said, oh, you want to buy a new enthusiast car? You should go look over at Toyota. <laughs> but now... Let's go over to the Toyota dealer. Lincoln even has products to look at. But you see what I'm saying? I there's, do. There's a shift I happening do. here. It's pretty fascinating. All right. Jump into Volkswagen straight out of their overkill period, which is the period that your Phaeton was built in. Mm. The first generation Tuareg, Tuareg with the five liter V10 turbo mm. diesel. I admire the yahoos at Volkswagen <laughs> who got this thing built. Please, please, please make one or two or ten or... There's still lots of used ones for sale. And the way I identify them, of course, is the V10 TDI badge on the back. But they look like the the Touareg got a factory lift kit. Yeah. So they're riding high. They appear modded. So they're raised on their suspension. 309 horsepower, 553 pound-feet of torque. Good luck finding a mechanic willing to work on one. (laughs) But otherwise, that's just cool. A V10. It is crazy. Turbo diesel. Yeah, it is crazy. For for that reason alone, for the engine alone, the rest of the car could fall apart. Fine. Well, and here's the thing. The Touareg but, wow. is a sister car to the Cayenne. Mm-hmm. We've all heard me talk about my yes. Cayenne. I, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, I don't believe that the Touareg and the Cayenne are built on the same assembly line. They are sister cars, but they're not built together. The, it's my understanding that the platform was developed jointly, yes. but then each car company took what they wanted to do with suspension mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and built it up from there. So the platform was just And that. as a result, the people that I knew that owned first-gen Toregs across the board, everyone I knew that had one got rid of it because it was a money pit. Mm. And here I am with this first-gen Cayenne that essentially just runs. Mm. So I find it interesting because they're partner cars. Okay. Now, the other thing about it is that that original Toreg, a lot of the stuff that was created for my crazy Phaeton, was amortized through the Cayenne and the Toreg. A lot of that same yeah, tech wound tell. up in those two. Steering wheel, it's crazy. buttons, it's everything. Crazy. I do have to say, out of current stuff, here's, here's, the, here's the overarching thought on Volkswagen. I had a couple on, on Lexus as well, but let me talk about it on Volkswagen. They make excellent cars, great cars that in general, when you sit in them, the price point, you're like, this is pretty nice for this amount of money. Sure. They're never quite fun enough. That's what I'm alluding to when I'm talking about the personality, mm-hmm. because I feel like the Ardeon looks cool. Mm-hmm. We drove it. We've mm-hmm. got a fast blast coming yep. out, but it feels distant and clinical like it's always judging you. It's constantly <laughs> judging you. It's an overlooked, it's an overlooked mid-sized it's luxury cool car. cool looking. The hood clamshell is like the old Audi TT, the first generation TT. It lays over the top of the front fenders. Mm-hmm. It's not a shut line. It lays over yeah. the top. Yeah, yeah. This is crazy. It's it's a cool little car, but it is an easy-to-overlook car because it doesn't have like a standout feature about it. You do get a lot of car for the money. It feels like Phaeton Part 2 in a way. The way it, it drives, it ways. just wants high-speed, hang yes. out all day long, unflappable. 
It's not as big or heavy, it's, it, but it does have that feel to it's it. It's the thinking in the current yes. lineup. I totally agree with that. I have to say the Atlas has been a big success for them. They have done – that is has led the Volkswagen Apology Tour with the Atlas. They've had huge cash on the hood. Tons of those have sold. Doesn't it, mean you have to like it. it, it true. It is a success for them. I don't think it is great, but it is a solid performer there. I do have to say there is one car in the Volkswagen lineup. You get it in any flavor, mm. and it is very well done, and that is the Golf. I agree to that. From the E-Golf to the TDI to the Base Golf to the Golf R, oh, that is they are Corvette. well done. That is the, it's like the that's Corvette a great, program a great, for General or, or Motors. The, or the Mustang or something or the like Mustang. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're putting all their best people mm-hmm. on the golf program for yeah. whatever flavor it is. They just are. It's a very impressive car. Yes, it can be created into a hoon monster. Even the base ones, though, are good on a back road. They are, they are hatchback done right. If you make a hatchback, somebody needs to put it against the golf mm-hmm. to talk about it. It isn't always as fun in fact we've concluded this many times as other people's offerings yeah but if you just make a hatchback you find what are the boxes to make good hatchback golf just checks them all so my top standouts of that generation the last decade are the mark six golf r and the mark seven golf r and gti really do like those we're definitely looking forward to the mark eight generation which is pretty brand new just announced but not quite out yet and we're definitely looking forward to that but you know what i also like the golf Sport wagon and all track, yeah, for sure. what they offer for the price, yeah, 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 inexpensive. Especially the all tracks, just cool looking. You mm-hmm. can get them with a manual transmission still, six speed wagon, and they're going away sadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like those for the price for what they do. Turbocharged little engine, mm-hmm. great stuff. Do like those. All right, so last one on the list here. Wrapping up with Volvo craziness. Last one on the list, Volvo. Yeah, we're not doing Zonda. So yeah, let's. Yeah, Zondas. <laughs> we're not doing supercars, hypercars. On the S60 and the V60, when I spec mine out, you can order the wool neck cushion and the charcoal leather pillow for the headrest. And I optioned out a V60 R Design T5 front wheel drive, which came out to about $56,000. But I do like, I actually haven't really loved Volvo until the brand new current generation of styling. Mm -hmm. And I think they're fantastic. They're such an an alt choice that's not just to be contrary or for the Mm -hmm. sake of polarity. They have their own feel. They they really are that great. They're expensive. They're a premium brand. Mm -hmm. And they've Mm -hmm. positioned themselves as such. But you you start looking at Volvo and you just you feel like you're suddenly thinking differently than everybody else, and you've discovered something else. They got the other half of the Saab owners. I guess so. The the, the yeah. really outdoorsy people. I'm going to split it. Saab Saab was two people. Okay, Saab was the really super outdoorsy, quirky mm-hmm. people that might just live in the woods. And the college professors. The college professors okay. went Volvo. The outdoorsy folks went Subaru. Okay. That's okay. how you split Saab. This is who got who, which parts of the family in the divorce. Okay? That's what happened. You might be getting angry letters, but we'll see. Who, it wouldn't be the first time. The, uh, the S90 and the V90 wagon are super cool. I see the V90 wagon, and it is just road presence. That They're big. You have to look. You Holy have to look. Holy cow. Like, yes. What is that thing? The styling that Volvo has going on is absolutely spot on. And it's theirs. It's theirs. You're right. They, they very much differentiated themselves mm-hmm. from everybody else. You look yeah. at this, and yeah, it yeah. is not Korean. It's very much European, but it's not German. You think, mm-hmm. now, what is that? Yeah. Very eye-catching. Honestly, Volvo is killing it right now. They have interiors that rival anybody. 
Absolutely. But just what's your interior choice? Jewelry. Volvo at least is going to compete, which is very impressive. You just kind of pick your size and shape you like in Volvo. Standouts for me are the XC40. You want a small SUV? It's not cheap, but it's very good. The mm-hmm. XC90 is superb. You want a big seven-seat SUV? Yeah, it is superb. XC90 is awesome. You already mentioned them. The S90, which is the sedan, or the V90, which is the wagon. Who makes a cool wagon? Mercedes, Volvo. I'm almost out of list. Audi. Look at the seats on the Volvo website. You configure Just look at the seats, mm-hmm. and you just mm-hmm. want to sit there. They just they just know what they're doing. Yeah. It, it, they look very amazing. Cool. Of course... Last car on the list for me is the V60 Polestar. Yep, I was going to say. Polestar is now its own brand, very much like mm-hmm. Genesis has become the, the, the luxury brand, but Polestar is positioned differently. Polestar has been described to me as the tip of the technological and manufacturing spear okay. for all things Volvo Group. That's why those mm-hmm. Polestars, mm-hmm. Polestar 1 is more expensive because they're trying a lot of carbon mm-hmm. fiber chassis mm-hmm. things. They're doing different manufacturing techniques. It yeah. is high-end yeah, yeah. luxury, but this is the tip of the spear for that whole, you know, hey, fascinating. You know, this group, some kind of thing might trickle down to other Volvo cars yeah, yeah. from the Polestar engineering team. That V60 Polestar in that crazy Arctic blue from the last 10 years was like, a, wait, what is that now? I mean, it was one of those head-turned so cool. cars. If I can't believe yeah. you did that. It has to be on the list. I love that you mentioned it. For sure. If you're like us, you're always looking for your next track event. No matter what your skill level, motorsportreg.com makes it ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. With over 7,000 events annually, it is the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're an event organizer, Motorsport Reg will help you find and fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve accuracy, and grow participation. Plus, there's a full-time support team who are there when you need them. Learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. Lance R. writes to us with the Ferrari long-term plan. He's got a gigantic splinter in his mind that at some point in the next <laughs> five to ten years, he would like okay. to own a Ferrari. Okay. And he says, I, I have nowhere near enough money to actually buy one, Okay, which is... All of us. Uh, That's a problem, but yeah. But what he does have is mechanical skills and access to a shop with a lift to work on cars. All right. So here's the plan. Yeah. Now, his background is a Volkswagen e-Golf. He's told us about this car, he says, and his truck is a 2007 Volvo V70 that gets beater duty. Mm-hmm. He's budgeted about twenty dollars to $30,000 every four years or so to update the daily. Okay. And at some point in a few years, he will likely dump the e-Golf and get a Tesla Model S or whatever the new option from Volkswagen or some some other exciting-ish EV. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So then he gets the sports car plans. He would like he would like to do it. And this this kind of I, I see this. This is what I what strikes me is what I call enthusiast logic. I had some enthusiast logic strike me when the Lancer blew up. <laughs> where I thought, hmm mm-hmm. I don't really want to spend money getting a getting a new engine, but you know what I could do? I could get a bigger engine. This is enthusiast <laughs> I could logic. Spend more money and get more. This is enthusiast logic. Hmm. So Lance has some enthusiast logic here. Remember, he has that lift. So he's what he's thinking about doing is buying a kind of rundown, but I could afford it right now, sports car. His top contenders are the Honda S2000 or a 996 Carrera. Like Chance bought his for 15 grand. Yeah, good contender. The S2000, you can get them yes. there. Then he'd buy one, <laughs> and then he'd do a bunch of work on it yeah. and try to sell it for more. So now he's got income. Profit, if you will, again, enthusiast logic, at which point he buys, hopefully, a 996 Turbo or a 997 and rinse and repeat. 
He does stuff to it, makes it nicer, sells it for more. His hope is that in two or three swaps of this, he'll have Ferrari money. (laughs) I have many things to say here. This is enthusiast math. At the end of the year, he expects to have a car worth twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars if he invests fifteen and then does some upgrades. He says installing new suspension parts, engine tune-up, some bodywork, doing it all himself mm-hmm. on that S two thousand or nine nine six. And he says, as you said, then do the nine nine six turbo or the nine nine seven, and then upgrade again. And then, you know, he's sitting on this ever increasing pile of cash. So. Ultimately, he gets up to, as you said, Ferrari money. But his question is, should he stay in Porsche land? Should he go over to Aston Martin? Should he try something else? Mm-hmm. He wants to get into a Ferrari as soon as possible. We all do, right? Isn't that a given? This Well, this is what that brand does. You want an FF. I want a 550 Marinello. Yeah. This is what that brand does. They, Lance wants a 360 Modena. They just they they have created such an iconic brand that at some point we all would like to be associated. And what's crazy, what's crazy that I I am actually going to say about Ferrari is when you start driving their cars. We haven't driven many, but we've driven some. You start to drive their cars. Just because it's a Ferrari doesn't mean it's good. Okay, <laughs> there really are times you can be in a Ferrari and be like, huh. Okay, watch our Speed Vegas piece. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we drove a 458. We drove it hard. That is a tough sentence to wrap your head around. We both walked away going, I would prefer the Lamborghini. Yeah. Okay? The other thing about it is that when you get into affordable Ferraris, and I realize I'm in big air quotes for land, but when I say affordable Ferraris, let's say Ferraris under 100 grand, you're probably looking at the 355, be careful, it has engine out services that cost as much as a typical brand new normal car. Get a Corolla XSE hatchback. And have money left over. <laughs> yeah, buy, buy a Veloster in or trade your engine out. This Pretty is, much. is anyway, so I trade that. my engine out. So right? at that point, Naturally. you can actually get a Ferrari 360, which is a little more daily runnable and doesn't have engine out service. But the problem with early 2000s Ferraris that are in that price point is they have early Ferrari F1 paddle gearboxes, which frankly, Feel old and not good at this point. Sort of like a well, mine's a derivative of that in the Maserati. As a matter of fact, yes, they feel. I hate to say it, they feel old and not good at this point. And so this is where I, I'm concerned for you, Lance, because I think what's happened is you've created this iconic. That will be the greatest driving experience ever thing in your mind because you haven't driven a Ferrari. And what I'm worried about is if you finally get there, and I want to talk about that a little bit. But if you finally get there. Will you be disappointed? I'm wondering if you've lionized the brand a bit Hmm. to the point that you could spend your money and be every bit as happy elsewhere and more attainable and sooner. So you're saying go do the roller coaster in Dubai and buy the Ferrari shot glasses and the bed sheets and be happy? You know what I heard? I believe that the Ferrari theme park in Dubai was the most successful theme park in the world last year. They're printing money based on sales of... Everyday kinds of items mm-hmm. that oh, yeah, you yeah. can buy without the Ferrari logo that you're paying a premium on. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So there is that. Uh, manual or auto doesn't matter to Lance. He says he's got Lemons cars and he likes fast shifting autos, but he prefer a good paddle, paddle shifter for a track fun car. 
He's got kids, so he'd prefer a four-seat so he could drive the kids around, but it really doesn't matter. He's got his eye on the 360 Modena. I went looking at one of my favorite car sites, which is MGMSL.com, Marshall Goldman Sales and Leasing. You've probably visited cars on there because they have top stuff. I found an 03 Modena. It's the F1 transmission, so it's not yeah. a manual. Yeah, yeah. But for $75,000, 16,000 miles. This is a brand-new car. Wow, that, that sounds gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It does Black. sound gorgeous, yeah. Wow. I mean, suddenly Ferraris are $75,000. By the way, a convertible Mondial is $49,000. So let's point. define Ferrari money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But before you do, you're going to be doing a lot of work to build your pile of cash here. Yes. It sounds I'm like glad you're, going there. you're going to be putting in a lot of sweat equity mm-hmm. to be able to put the money into this car. And then you're estimating now here's what that's going to be worth. As my dad has always says... It's only worth what somebody will pay you for it. So you can't assume that's going to add $10,000 in value. And as Todd and I Agreed. have discussed, when you're modding, you got to find the right buyer. Mm-hmm. And you're still mm-hmm. not going to get the money back out of it. Maybe. It depends on what you do. So if you're going to mod stuff and work on cars, I'm almost hearing a business model here for you, Lance. Mm. I'm, I'm reading between the lines. But let's talk about Icon 4x4. Now, those okay. are the high-end, right. expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fully re-engineered, rebuilt. I mean, he's got, he owns the rights to the, the naming rights to the FJ mm-hmm. uh, name. Yeah, yeah. And so what about affordable enthusiast cars that need refreshing? Like suddenly you're the king of bring a trailer, but affordable. Mm, bring a okay. trailer's, All right. yeah, yeah. you know, gone the way of 911s. Yes, that used has to. gone a little bit out of reach, yeah. Toyota Land Cruisers and the Lexi, the GXs, need refurbishing or upgrades. We know of a, a local guy who drops Chevy 350 crate engines into old Land Cruisers. He's not doing anything to make them like an icon level. He's not redoing the interiors, maybe sprucing up stuff here and there, but he's just dropping reliable V8s into them, and people yeah. are buying them yeah, like yeah. crazy. So standardize the parts you need to order because I'm hearing I'm going to work on that car and I'm going to work on this car and I'm going to do this. Well, now you're hunting and spending all your time for mm-hmm. different kinds of parts. Mm-hmm. You're doing different kinds of cars. So now you're having to become an expert in a lot of different cars to be able mm-hmm. to restore mm-hmm. and improve them, hoping that you can be able to sell them within a certain time period. What if it sits? What if nobody buys it? What if they talk you down and you're not quite making as much as you thought? Agreed. What if all that happens? So if you're going to start refurbishing things, I think the market wants stock cars. Agreed. Look at what happened to WagonMaster.com. I went to that site recently. Their Cherry, the most perfect late 80s wagon, the the Jeep Grand Cherokee, is $93,000. What? Yeah. But they're restored, they're upgraded, they're perfect, or they found them in some, you know, guy's ranch in Colorado and it just sat and he drove <laughs> sure. it eight days out of the year. Sure, and sure. It's perfect. Yeah. But what about the Saab community? What about, mm. I mean, my brother in law has found a lot of enthusiasts on there who will pay top dollar for really perfect Saabs. What about I like the, this? I see the, where you're going. The engine that fits in the Saab 900 that is now the reliable and you don't have to worry about sourcing Saab parts anymore and. You know, people can work on it, and suddenly I'm doing retrofitting sobs to keep those on the road, keep sob enthusiasts happy, and I'm just using that as an example. So yeah. what about a manual transmission conversion for somebody's already doing with a new Supra? But, you know, sure. enthusiasts want blank. What is 
what is in that? Instead of doing just the onesie, twosie cars at a time, Interesting. standardize this as almost a business model. I just do this one thing. I drop engines into these cars. That's all I do. I resell them. I make a bunch of money. Yeah. Instead of I'm doing body work and paint and I'm doing transmissions well, and I'm doing that all for this one car to hopefully sell for a profit and then lather and rinse and repeat that. See, that's the th- that's a tough ask. It is a tough ask. Here's the thing, Lance. I I love I love the enthusiast math here. I really do. I get I get where your head is. I can follow you, and then I start to really think about it. And again, I'm not a wrench, and you are. But here's what I really start to think about: Where do you stop? So you buy the old mm-hmm. S2000, and you put how much into it? How much? How far are you going to go? Because what are you going to discover that it right. needs that you didn't realize when you first bought it? How far down that rabbit trail are you going to go? And what is the the tipping point? I I submit to you, it's not very far to when you've spent more than you're actually going to get back out, even if you're going full stop, which is an unknown. I think I think that is honestly, I think your odds are fifty fifty at best that you can buy an old car like this and sell it consistently for more. Than you, than you bought it for. I'll give you a weird example of somebody I know that has made this work. I know a guy in town here in Park City has a very normal job. Okay. Doesn't make a lot of money. He buys and sells about four Priuses a year, and that's what they use for vacation money. No kidding. He knows how to find an old Prius that's been driven by some little old lady. He knows how to scour to look for Priuses. This is all he does. What? He, he, he has a dealer license, and he moves like four a year. And he's not a dealer. He just he lives in a house with normal cars. He's always driving a Prius because he'll buy one from some little old lady, and he'll he'll get it detailed. Little old ladies driving Prius. He'll get. He just knows how to buy them cheap. He'll get them detailed. He'll get all the maintenance done. He'll get them nicely cleaned up. He knows the two or three things to do to them, and he'll always sell them for at least a thousand dollars more than he paid for it. Hmm. And that's all. That's all he moves, and, and he does it specifically because that is their vacation money every year. That's so I think you may even want to do this. Not even shopping enthusiast cars, if you really want to do this model. But I'm very worried about you buying an enthusiast car and thinking I'm going to do some stuff to it and I'm going to sell it for more than I've got into it. I think at fifty fifty shot of that at best. So I yeah. want to unpack this a couple other ways. You said. You have the ability financially to spend twenty to thirty grand every four years to buy a new daily. Keep your current daily. Wait six or so years and just go buy a nice car. <laughs> buy the Ferrari, right? Just go buy the interesting car you're looking at right. and save yourself all this time and effort that is really a dice roll. Yeah. Along yeah. those lines, I have to say, and I said it before already, why Ferrari? Doesn't mean not, but why Ferrari? And look, if we're look if we're just wanting to buy the dream and you can do thirty grand in the next four years, well you also could do look, again, not a financial podcast, but you can now get crazy long car buys. Seventy two oh, months. Yeah. Eighty months. <laughs> it's you like a boat or an RV. Seriously. If you sleep in your Ferrari, then it's suddenly a second domicile. You can you can get, get car loans that are so loan. incredibly long that it brings your monthly payment down so you can have the experience for a year. Mm. So there's that thought. But I actually think because the Ferraris you can afford, in quotes now, 60, 80 grand, are the early 2000s paddle shift ones, I think here's the play. Alpha 4C. I was just going to say... Those are like a mini Ferrari. It's I think it's everything you hope a Ferrari will be. It's exotic. 
It's got paddle shifters that actually, you know what? The paddle shift setup with that little four-cylinder in the Alpha 4C is better than an early 2000s Ferrari oh, with an F1. Oh, by far. By far. Yeah. It's going to be cheaper to maintain. It can track if you want it to. It's going to be great on back roads. People are going to go, what is that? It's all of those things. Much more affordable. I think Alpha 4C is the play to get it done. Still Italian. Mm-hmm. Still yes. sounds fun when you yes. pronounce it and you roll your R's. It's all good. This, this is how Paul buys Italian cars, by the way. You've got to have a good R roll. Maserati. <laughs> I, I think that's the choice. I also like the Mondial if you need back seats for the fam, but I really think go sh- chase a 4C in a few years. Just buy one. Save yourself the trouble. When we're searching for cars for you, local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and then search them all at once. With Auto Tempest, you enter your search one time and see local or nationwide results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, Auto Trader, or Car Gurus without entering anything new. And they just added a link to Facebook Marketplace too. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. So if you're doing your drive homework, chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, head to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. We've got listeners all over the globe. And writing into us social media questions, there's a question. Well, you lived in Norway. Okay. There's a question yeah. from JK. I cannot pronounce your last name. But he is in Norway asking, how is a 2010 Camaro to drive in winter? He's almost tempted to buy one as a daily in Norway. Like it. With Hacapolitas, I think it'd be rowdy and fun and you'd have a ball. This is the f- fifth generation, mm-hmm. believe, yeah, fifth generation right when that new Camaro came out. And I think you'd have a lot of fun. Make sure you've got limited slip differential. Be careful. But why not? Absolutely. That'd be very fun. There's also a question from Mike Telema in Israel who was asking, what is the most affordable, beautiful car He's thinking Jaguar XK8 from the late 90s and trying to find one in his local market. Other ideas I've got for you, Mike, are Sunbeam Tigers. Okay, good. Like it. I'm thinking about beautiful, okay? Okay, Beautiful means generally simple, beautiful, sensual surfaces. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mazda RX-7s, like early. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous. This is out there, but the first generation Aston Martin Vanquish from 2001 to 2007. I mean, where else can you buy a V12 with a manual? Yeah. Those are expensive. Look, I'll go Nissan 300ZX. That's a good one. I still think the first generation Cayman is sensual and beautiful. It's good looking, yeah. The Porsche 928 is there for me. The BMW Z3. It's a small GT car. Yeah, okay. It's aged well. If you're wanting something that has not crept up in price yet, Mike, how about a Porsche 912? You said Z3. What about the Z4 Coupe? That could work, too. We drove one of those. Those are great looking. 70s Alfa Romeos. I really want a Ferrari 550 Marinello. Beautiful, simple, gorgeous. Hopefully that helps. Thank you so much for writing in. Appreciate it, man. Eric on Facebook said, when shopping for out-of-state vehicles, as we have done, any tips for telling the good used car dealers from the bad? Eric... I, I don't even worry about if the car dealer is good or not. I just kind of assume they're out to make a buck, and there's probably something questionable going on, and there's probably something about the car they're not saying. I just assume that. They could be the nicest people on the planet. <laughs> First off, scour Carfax. When I was shopping for both the Lancer and the Phaeton, and, and, and look. Such a weird sentence. I'm not say, Yeah, I'm not saying that I did this well necessarily, but at the same time, when I was shopping for both those cars, 
I, I honestly had trouble. I had to make notes as to which Carfax was which car. There were so many Carfaxes in front of me. You can figure out number of owners, regular problems. I, I do a couple of things. I dig in, and when I find a car that I'm zeroing in on, I get it, I get it sent out for a pre-purchase inspection. You're not in the state, but a car dealer should agree to that reality. And, and find, mm-hmm. find an independent mechanic a little ways away from the dealer and have the dealer drive it to that mechanic and do a pre-purchase inspection. You're going to lose some money. You're going to spend 50 to $100 every time you do this. You do this two or three cars, but I've walked away from a couple cars because a pre-purchase inspection revealed this thing. And, of course, the used car dealer was like, no, that's not true. That car doesn't have that. I'm like, look, mm-hmm. I'm not down there. I just know the mechanic found this thing, and they told me about it. And the mechanic has no reason to lie to you. So do a pre-purchase inspection. If you are zeroing in on a car, I would also say rely on that Carfax. And if you see somebody, private mechanic, dealer, whatever, that did the most recent work on the car for the last calendar year, call them and say, hey, I'm looking to buy this car. Yeah. What can you tell me about it? Because they're going to know stuff that the dealer has no idea about. Those are my two major recommendations. Nice. Ryan Stamp on Facebook asks if everyday driver could receive a long-term fleet what three new vehicles would we pick and why love this small medium and large okay all mid-engines toyota mr2 a cayman gts or gt4 and the c8 z06 corvette look at you all mid-engine all fun dynamic small medium and large in terms of power and price i was interesting i was thinking in long terms here's where i would go i would do a veloster in Nice, nice. The Alfa uh, Romeo Quattroporte, Giulia Quattroporte. Lovely car. I want to have that on a long term and really sure. talk about owning it. I think that'd sure. be very cool. And then I'm debating what the third one would be. I'm, I, I got a lot of stuff. Would you do something electric brain. or something off-road or neither? Uh, I, see, I, I kind of think Jeep would be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. get, get like a Gladiator or something. But then I, just, I do kind of go completely off the rails the other way and just go, you know what? Give me a BMW i3. <laughs> or or the Audi e-tron or something that sure, is a brand e-tron new electric and let's me. drive that and see what it's really like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh we've got so many questions here. There's a few a more. A few more. Uh up to, up to up the GO and I think it is on Instagram. I'm going to try this do this quickly. He gave a bunch of criteria for cars. Try to rate these criteria most important to least important. All right, I'm going to give them to you in the order he gave them to, which is like shifter feel and brake feel and throttle response, clutch feel, steering feel, et cetera. So good. I'm going to try to rate these really quickly. Okay. From most important to least important for me okay. and why. Yeah, I saw Most this. important steering feel. I want to know what the car is doing. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to all be through the wheel. I know that as we get into electronic steering feel, a lot of it has to do with rotation of the car. You can feel it in your butt, but just I want to feel the yeah. rotation. Yeah. Okay, so steering feel is the top. Beyond that is shifter feel. If the shifter is bad, you never get away from that. Thankfully, mm. my Lotus has an improved shifter feel, and it is actually the best at least shifter feel I've actually done, which I really do like. If it's a bad shifter, you never get away. And if mm. it's a great one, you always appreciate it. Shifter feel is second. Throttle response is third. doesn't have to be powerful, but I want to feel like when I move my foot on the gas pedal, it does something. Brake feel is fourth. Because brake feel, last is clutch feel. Both of those are ones that you can just get used to. Would I like great brake feel? Yes. Would I like a nice clutch feel? Yes. But you know what? Those are ones that you drive a car for a week and you've just settled into how it does it and it doesn't really bug you anymore. The others keep coming back. All right. Last couple of questions from me. They relate. One from Ryan Wilson here. New Hummer electric truck thing. 
what are our thoughts? We don't know all the details and specs, and we haven't quite seen everything as of this podcast recording, but I think it's the only good use of the Hummer brand. I see that. I it's see the that. Yeah. only way to really bring the Hummer back with brand acceptance and sort of everybody saying, okay, all right, I can see it. And with everybody wanting SUVs and, you know, a lot of power, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So the other brand that needs to do this is the Dodge Hellcat and Dodge remember, products yeah. need to go all electric fully. Like the, the big ones go fully all electric. So when the, the new electric Hellcat is sliding through the frame, some marketing guy can come up with the electric slide, you know, and do a whole yeah, ad campaign on that. Do you see that MC Hammer was back on the Super Bowl commercials? <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Moving on. Oh, my gosh. Now that's in my head. Awesome. Uh-huh. And from you. Todd Beachy, with all the talk about high torque in electric vehicles like the new Hummer, do we think this will lead to more broken parts due to stress? Hmm. I say no, because this is new technology being explored, and you need to you need to think about finite element analysis and how good that has gotten in software to be able to understand the stresses about the kind of power you're applying. And most importantly, definitely advances in materials, light weighting and industrial additives, but most importantly is generative design. Go look up generative design, which is really software driven results based on specific loads and parameters Hmm. you input. Hmm. So you, this particular point needs to support this amount of weight or stress in this direction and the software figures out endless variations based on mm. cost and time and how the part is made. It gives you all these results, and then you tweak the results to, to best fit your design parameters. So essentially, it's, it's stuff that can only be made by 3D printers, by industrial additives. And you can actually do metal printing with that now. So there's hollow parts that are far lighter and infinitely stronger than they ever were before because Mm. the software figured out the structure, how strong that needs to be based on the inputs you give it. So generative design, in my opinion, is the answer for the future. Wow, that's cool. I have one last question I want to speak to. This could be a whole topic Tuesday. I'm going to try to go fast. Rich, you wrote it on Facebook and you said you're at your local cars and coffee on Saturday. Mm. And you notice that a lot of the guys with really nice cars were really old guys. <laughs> and you watched how much they struggled getting in and out of their really nice cars. Oh, yeah. And here you are, an enthusiast at the age of 50, with this grand plan to save for your car you've always wanted, which is a Cayman GT4. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at this world, at Cars and Coffee, and going, wait a minute. I'm 10 or 15 years from a GT4 mm. in my current plan. Yeah. Should I do this? Do I want to be one of those guys? Should I buy a Cayman S now? What do I do? Rich, again, I'm going to say it. We are not a financial planning podcast. So (laughs) your financial planner that talks about all the things you should do properly with your money for 50 years from now, I'm not that guy. But I am going to say this. I knew a guy who was a next-door neighbor of mine when I was a kid growing up, one of the most meticulous men I'd ever met. Okay. He died a week after he retired. Oh, my gosh. He retired perfectly. Everything you can imagine you're supposed to do for retirement, did it all. Oh, my gosh. Was very meticulous, was very stringent in his lifestyle, died a week after retirement. Now, obviously, some of us may live to 130. Whatever happens. My point here is, (laughs) though, we don't have tomorrow, Rich. Yeah. We don't. We don't know. If you have the ability to get a fun car now, get a fun car now. Is it it the the car Probably not, 
but I don't want you to be longing for a car 10 feet. Here's the thing. How's your health going to be in 10 or 15 years? Right. Are you going to be, I don't care what age you are. Are you going to be able to get in and out of, I'm thrilled to get in and out of my Lotus Elise right now in my forties. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's people, my father, I almost had to get a crane. I got him oh in my, my Elise gosh. once and it took two of us to get him back out. Oh my gosh. And he's a fairly mobile man. Okay, so my point is, if you can get a fun car now, I'm really worried about you having this way out there idea for I'll get a fun car eventually, but you want one now, get a fun one now that's not everything you hoped for, enjoy it, who knows what life is intended for, you may still get that GT4, you may not, but you have something fun now. Absolutely. Guys, thanks for all your questions. We really need to get to more of these. We uh, kind of rambled long on the best of series, but we really also hope you enjoyed that. And uh, send us your Topic Tuesdays, your excellent car debates, and all of your car conclusions to TV at gmail.com. You can also find us on the website, that contact button under the About tab on the website, everydaydriver.com. Thanks, guys, for all your ratings, all your following, your feedback. It, it does feel like you guys are talking to us and, and sure. uh, you're giving sure. us a lot of feedback too, which is great. So thank you for all of that. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>